Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. But yeah, so uh, I've been the closer the last couple of nights. Babies, sleep. Oh, Sometimes it doesn't come. It, yes. Uh, I, I think he, he is graduating out of his crib. Yeah. Uh, and, and now it's the next thing, and we got to figure out what the next thing is. Last night it took a while to get him to sleep, but then once he was asleep, he slept all through the night. Yeah. Which I'm sure you have the same experience that uh, when Hattie sleeps all through the night, it's a relief. But on the other hand, you're probably up at the monitor two or three times during the night. Yeah, well, I mean, she's still sleeping in the room with us. So oh, that's right. Yeah, when, when she's when when Harrison slept in the room with us, we were still we still had the monitor in between us, looking. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I mean, she. Yeah, last night, uh, I think it was last night. So either last night or the night before, she actually did kind of sleep all through the night, and uh, we still, yeah, we still got up a couple of times in the night, just sort of like, sure, all right, everything's cool? All right, good, I'm going back to sleep now, you know. Yeah, sneak sneak over, floorboards creaking, put your hand down on their back or their chest. Yep. S- sneak away, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, the 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 waltz of the of the insecure parent. Oh um. gosh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but we are here tonight to talk about justice. justice. Yeah, That's right. justice. Yeah, I am looking forward to this, and I am not. I have yeah. a lot. I have a lot to say, and not sure how to say it. It's uh, you know the the thing is it's a it's a. Um, you know, I can't even decide how I want to talk about how to talk about the episode. Because uh, I, I want to say it's a difficult episode, but I don't think it's difficult in the way that that a word like that would, would, would make it seem compared to the way we've used it when talking about other episodes. Because it's not a problematic episode. You know, if anything, this one, I think, stands up and holds up incredibly well. Um... It, it, it handles things and deals with things in, I, I think, an incredibly honest, brutally at times manner. Um, and the way that it examines the limitations of the characters and the time in which Sam has slept into is is pretty remarkable and, and something certainly that you can only have with the benefit of hindsight. Um I, when, when all is said and done, you, you know, it's it's an episode that at times it's almost hard to cheer for Sam. Sure. Because of some of the things that he has to do. Yeah. Um, but by the end of the episode, it, 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 it's it's arguably one of his finest moments. Okay. Um, yeah. I have some opposing views, so this will be interesting. All right. Uh, I do. Uh, I do feel like this is a little bit of a problematic episode. Uh, problematic is the buzzword of 2018, and I'm ready for it to go away. I'm annoyed at myself for how often I I say the word. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is one by no fault of its own of the way the episode was produced. I think just our culture being what it is now is what makes the episode problematic. But I think at the time. 
it was incredibly timely and handled well. When I say it's problematic, I would say if you were to drop this episode on a person who had never seen Quantum Leap before and just said, hey, watch this episode, I feel they would take issue uh, in particular with just how many times the word is used, the racial slur is used. I feel like the word is used in this episode many, many more times than it's used in, say, Color of Truth or So Help Me God or Black on White on Fire, where in that in that episode the, the word is used only by black people. Where right. in this episode, the first time it's uttered, it's uttered by a kid. Yeah. So just because of that, yes. But anyway, all things you said. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. it's worth note. It's worth noting right off the bat that, that, that this episode is is written by um, a white woman. Okay. Um, you know, and I, I I bring that up because the past episodes that we've had that have examined race in in this way have usually been written by a female person of color, Mm -hmm. um, being Deborah Pratt. Yeah. Uh, you know, and this is the first episode that kind of delves into that subject, not written by her. Um, and, and furthermore being written by, you know, a white woman. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about her career in a second. It's the thing. I, I would love to be a fly on the wall and like, I would be interested to know, like, what the quantum leap writing process was. It's like, you know, every episode, like, gets credited with a writer. But how much was juggled in the writing room? Right. Like, how how many cooks were there really? And then who ends up getting the final writing credit? Sure. Uh, You know, to to use another example from an episode coming up this season, I know the episode raped— the the uh, the woman who has the writing credit for it, I can't think of her name right now. She has the writing credit for it, but in an interview somewhere along the way, Scott Bakula noted that Deborah Pratt pretty much rewrote the entire episode. Mm. Well, now that's interesting because yeah, I mean, when it comes to like Writers Guild and the rules and stuff like that, there's definitely uh, you know there would be issues. I'm sure if you know if that came out to be the case and. Um, you know that, that that whoever handed in that script would still have to have their name on it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Well, let's, anyway, let's, let's you know let's, let's get let's do the normal stuff and then let's get into it because yeah. it, it's clear that we both have a lot to say. I see. I, um, I would say uh, uh, programming note, listeners, if you don't do this already, I have a feeling we're not going to have time to like really do a play by play synopsis. Right. So if you haven't seen this episode in a while, maybe pause us right now. Yeah. Go watch the episode, despite everything I just said. Go watch the episode, and then come back and join us. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, and uh, we're going to be fairly brief when it comes to the, to the IMDb stuff as well. But um, 
Let's kick off in our normal manner. So this episode is Justice. Uh, its air date was October the 9th, 1991. Our leap date is May the 11th, 1965. Directed by Rob Bowman, um, who, in addition to this particular episode of Quantum Leap, um, would also direct uh, and produce quite a few other television programs um, this is the only Quantum Leap episode that he directed, but uh, he also would work on Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, he he did a few episodes of Tequila and Benetti. Um, he did uh, quite a few episodes of The X-Files. Um, he actually also directed The uh, X-Files um, uh, uh, the feature film. Um, and he would also do uh, quite a few other things um, um, since then, uh, both in film and television, uh, including uh, Reign of Fire. Um, but anyway, uh, our writer, as, as briefly touched upon earlier, um, is Tony Graffia, um, and she has done quite uh, a few things. Um, she's also won the um, George Foster Peabody Award in 2006, um, she works on Outlander currently um, as a producer. She's also worked on Battlestar Galactica, Terminator, The Sarah Connor Chronicles, and Carnivale. So quite a few you know, fairly incredible shows. Um, done some work on Grey's Anatomy. Um, and, you know, she also, uh, in addition to this particular episode of Quantum Leap, would write um, quite a few episodes of other television programs, including China Beach, Roswell, Battlestar Galactica, as I mentioned earlier, and of course, Dennis and Betsy's favorite show, Outlander. Um, Sam has leapt into, um, actually, we just get Clyde. Yeah. We never get, we never get his last name. That's really interesting. It is interesting. So he leaps into Clyde. Uh, it's May 11th, 1965. Yeah. TV Guide Description. Sam leaps into a member of the KKK who's struggling against a group of good old boys to save the life of a civil rights leader. Thank you, TV Guide, for avoiding, for avoiding the puns in this particular yeah, case. Any, any painful puns. Yeah. And to bring in, uh, like we've been doing the last few episodes, what this was called in other countries. Uh, in Germany, it was just called the German word for justice. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. I'm afraid I'd butcher it. Uh, in France, it was known as Shadow of the Past. Well, there you have it. And in Italy, it was called a noose around his neck. And so, okay. And so Sam uh, leaps in. He is surrounded by men in hoods. There is a there is a burning cross. There are men in white robes. There's a man in a purple robe coming at him with a sword. And this is something that I noted. I think this is actually uh, one of the cases where the intro of the actual episode is shorter than the teaser the week before. Yeah, I think that that is true. The interesting thing about that is, is you actually get a couple of more shots of Sam in the intro than you do in the teaser, and it's more explicit that Sam, I think, at first thinks that they're going to kill him. I, I don't think Sam, you know, it's, it, it's an interesting subtlety, but I don't think that Sam allows himself to even entertain the fact that he's about to become a clan member, because it's something so completely foreign to him and his ideals, which is obviously something that he expresses throughout this episode. Um, but you can tell that there's that moment where it's fear over what's about to happen to him. Sure, yeah. And I think um, th- there's a slight change in language where I feel like in the teaser the week before, um, uh, 
the Grand Dragon says as a Grand Dragon. I think this time he says the Grand Dragon. But I think in the he teaser last week. Royal, he says Royal Dragon. Royal Dragon. Out, yeah. Um, and the teaser the week before, like, he actually brings the, like, he, he does the dubbing gesture. Like, he actually, like, brings right. the sword and touches it down on either side of Sam's shoulders. And he doesn't do it in uh, at the start of the episode. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, and like I said last week, we get an oh boy, which is one of the more appropriate, inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Boys. Uh, but yeah. And then, uh, and then we get the opening credits, which is worth noting. They changed, uh, Scott Bakula's intro in the opening credits at the start of the season. And it's from this episode. That's right. Uh, Dean Stockwell is still chilling, relaxing. Breathing a sigh of relief at the end of Honeymoon Express. Honeymoon Express, yeah, uh, yeah. But now it's this one, uh, Scott Bakula doing a special, not in the actual episode, doing a special almost sitcom looking at the camera, putting the hat on. Yeah. Hi, I'm Scott Bakula. <laughs> uh, so. And then we dive um, into the episode proper. Yep. Eating cold chicken and being racist. Jerkwads. Uh, so, <laughs> so I mean, so here, and I think even like Sam has this in a voiceover in this first scene. It's like I feel like this first scene is trying to establish that even though these men are racist pieces of shit, that there is. I hesitate to say something good. There is a brotherhood to them. They take care of each other. There is that camaraderie. There's that whole sequence where the the, the one off-screen character, he he almost lost his foot, so he's not going to be able to crop in 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 time. And so um, a future guy from West Wing yells around to everybody saying, you know, hey, we can bring in his crop. We can get it done. And, hey, it's an excuse to not go to church. Um, Right. Well, yeah, you know, I think that the thing is, is it, it, I actually like the fact that these guys aren't just, you know, cardboard cut out, you know, racist idiot number one and racist idiot number two, that, you know, if you take away the racism, if you take away their clan membership, these might not be terrible people. No, but the thing is... They only do that in the first scene, though. I feel like this is the. This, this is, I this disagree. Is, okay, I think I think you're right with um, with future West Wing and multiple general player Glenn Morshauer, but uh, who plays Grady. But I think that uh, Tom, you know, is his father-in-law. I, I, I yes. think he has multiple points throughout the episode where he he. I, I hate to use the word sympathetic because I don't necessarily think that that's the right word for I, it. But he does. Yeah, not. Gene is the father-in-law. Tom is uh, Tom is his coworker. Just to clarify. Right. Yes. Okay. Gene yeah. is the father-in-law. Yeah. 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 Um, so, but yeah, I know you're. I mean, Grady. Grady. This is pretty much his last moment of any kind of worth or value or humanity that we see from him, and he does become pretty much the symbol of. Of of all that is hateful and horrible, yeah. Um, but the, 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 like the reason why like this first thing resonates with me is that one of my childhood friends, mm-hmm. on one hand, is a deeply racist person. 
Mm-hmm. This is one of the reasons why we cut ties about five years ago. On the other hand, when my mom and dad passed away six years apart, he was there in both of those instances in, in just incredibly touching ways. So there is good in him. But somewhere along the way, he also became a deeply racist person. Well, and, and, I, and I firmly believe, and it's one of the things that this episode actually touches upon so beautifully, is that, that he was taught that at some point in time. Yeah. Somewhere along the way, he was taught that. And, and we could probably, you know, point to parents or grandparents or, you know, somewhere along the way, somebody close family, um, mm-hmm. y- y- you know, instilled that in him. And that's the thing that's wonderful about the way that Cody is treated in this episode, the son, uh, because it's clear that this is something that, that he's learned. Uh-huh. Um, and the tactics that Sam uses to try and get him to understand that that's not right. Um, I think, well, could, you could have, you could have, you know, easily built a feature film around, um, are certainly given a, a nice weight within the context of this, you know, 42 minute episode of Quantum Leap. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do believe that it's, it's absolutely 100% taught that it's not, you know, no one, no one is born that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, it's something that, uh, people, uh, are, you know, cursed with by those that they, that they look up to yeah. and, and, and learn things from, um, you know, but, but much in the same way that you were talking about your friend, how can you give the the wholesale indictment of, of a parent or a grandparent if at the same time, you know, they check all the other boxes, mm-hmm. you know, kids got clothes, kids got a meal in his belly, a roof over his head, gets to school on time, does reasonably well in school. Oh yeah. It just so happens that I also taught him to be racist. Yeah. So I, I, again, I think that that's one of the things that the episode does well is that it, it, it gives us enough in some cases just to hint like this beginning scene, mm-hmm. but it gives us enough to know that, you know, these are human beings, deeply flawed human beings, um, human beings that, that are on the verge of, you know, committing terrible, terrible acts, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that, that belong to terrorist organization. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the only the only function the KKK has is to is to drive fear into the hearts of those that they don't like. Yeah. So, you know, I don't I don't see how anyone anywhere that would uh, you know be willing to condemn what they do wouldn't be on board with calling them terrorists. You know, it's like, it's, 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 it's like, if you can't, if you, if you can't actually use that language, then, then as far as I'm concerned, you, you might as well grab a hood yourself. And that goes for our president too. Yep. Yep. And I feel, uh, and this is, and yes, now that we, since we've gotten into our, our current 
politics and our current president. I feel that's that's what troubling that's what troubling about this episode now is that I, I felt like in 1991 when this episode aired, we felt even then it was very naive, but we felt that we were kind of in this in this post racial place where we could shine a light on this thing from the past because it was the past. And I feel maybe part of the reason why this episode is very difficult to watch now is because of the very particular moment that we are at in history in 2018. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I understand where you're coming from, and, 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 and you know, please correct me if I'm, if I'm getting this wrong, but I, I, I think that for me, the reason why I have a hard time being on board with what you're saying a hundred percent is because I am a firm believer that, you know, a, a piece of art, if it stands, it stands. And that while it might be hard for an audience to digest, depending on the particular time in which they are, are living, that I'm one who has little time for trigger warnings. Mm-hmm. I have little time for, um, you know, a play recently got canceled at a college because the white students were uncomfortable with it, which is bullshit. I, you know, I have, I have trouble with, with institutes of higher learning having to, um, you know, bend to the wishes of their students because they might not like something. I was in a philosophy class one time at a Methodist university and the, um, professor was basically saying there is no God and there is no afterlife and that this is all there is. And it was clearly making some of the students very uncomfortable. And I thought to myself, good, they should be uncomfortable because the thing is, is when I walked out of that room, I didn't necessarily agree with the professor, but at the same time, I was thinking about something that maybe I hadn't thought about before in a different way. And that's exactly what that's supposed to do. And that's what a good piece of art is supposed to do. And that's why if this pushes someone a little outside of their comfort zone, due to the use of that word, I'm okay with it because it's an honest and realistic depiction of what would have happened at that time. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone has to like it. That doesn't mean that I think everyone should watch it. I just don't think that it should be censored in any way. I don't think that anyone should, you know, again, I think the power is in someone's own hand. They can change the channel. You know, they can can skip the episode on the disc. Sure. Um, I mean, and I think... I think that works for I think that philosophy works for for you and me because we're a couple of white guys. But to bring up a counterpoint, would you sit down one of your black friends to watch this episode and give them no warning about how many times the word is used? I I guess the difference is it has nothing to do with quantity. I wouldn't say anything about the number of times. I would just say that the word is used because the thing is, and I think you'll agree with me on this, it doesn't matter if it's used one time or a hundred times. It's the fact that it gets used at all. I I didn't think it because I I was thinking about it like driving home from work for night. Like I feel like... And, I, and I'm trying to, to, to say this as sensitively as possible because I know there's a lot of people who believe that, that that the word should never be used at all and the fact that it was ever used in any context was not good. So I'm trying to uh, respect that and honor that and talk about it. Where I feel like um, 
Like in The Color of Truth, it was used just enough to make a point. Uh, in particular, the way Sam uses it to point out that that word is a little bit too close to Negro, mm-hmm. which is something that when I was when I was younger, like that was like a huge like light bulb moment for me of just like, oh, whoa, yeah, saying Negro is just a nicer way of saying mm-hmm. the nicer word that you really want to say. Um Whereas I feel like in this particular episode, it is said so many times, like in particular by uh, Tom's character, by Tom. Um, It's done to just the level it's like, okay, use the word once or twice to like bring in the historical context to remind people that, yes, this was this word was used in the time. But they use it – the fact that they use it so many times in the episode and the fact that the first time you hear it, a kid is saying it. Uh, like I said, I would have a, a very difficult time showing this to a person of color without warning. And I think I would even have difficulty like sitting someone down – you know, so sitting, you know, a white person down, like when when Betsy and I sat down to watch it the other day, like I gave her a heads up. Also, yeah. Harrison was playing in the living room in front of us. And some people may think that this is really bad of us. But Harrison was playing in the living room as this was happening. And Betsy and I had this discussion and we were like, like, is it OK? And then and then we decided, like, he, he is young enough, like he is not going to pick that word up sure. just from watching like one hour of television. Sure. Yeah, I I, I get where you're coming from. So my question to you is: you do you think that the use of the word within this episode is gratuitous? I think by today's standards, yeah. Um, and like, and it's hard to answer whether or not it's gratuitous at the time because this is something that I've googled before for previous episodes, and I googled it again yesterday. I cannot find any good resource online that talks about how much the word was used on broadcast TV when it was appropriate in terms of historical context. I feel like Roots used it. Probably North and South used it, which was another, which was a TV miniseries that revolved around the Civil War. Um, there was another TV miniseries uh, that took place in the South that I recall called Chiefs. I'm sure they had to have used the word at least once or twice during the time. But I can't get a good bearing of how often the use was word on broadcast TV at the time. So I can't tell you whether I feel like it was gratuitous for the time. But again, by today's standards, like I, I would have a really hard time sitting someone down. And, and, and letting them see it without giving them, a warning um, and I really and, and I'm curious to see, because like I watch this on Hulu it's not censored there's no disclaimer set out in front of it it's on NBC.com uh, I think if it was a more if the show had more attention if the show was a more popular show I think someone would speak up and be contacting NBC and saying why why are you not blurting out the word 
if not pulling the episode entirely. I'm not saying that's what should be done. I'm just saying that watching it yesterday on Hulu, that that did cross my mind. You have some feelings. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... I, I mean, I get... I, mean, I, I, will, I, will, I, will, I will agree that I, it... Let me put it this way. This would absolutely not just be an episode that I would pull out and say, hey, let's watch some Quantum Leap to someone who's <laughs> sure. never seen it yeah. before. Yeah. It wouldn't be. But if I was watching the show with someone or someone had seen the show, I would not... I don't know that I would put a disclaimer on it. I think that that there is a certain sensitivity to the episode in general. Um, you know, we discussed having a guest on, on the episode. And yeah. I, I for me... You know, because you at first were like, hey, I think maybe we should have a person of color guest with us on this episode. And for me, I felt uncomfortable because it started to feel to me that if we were to do that, it would be, of course, because we're talking about racism, we have to have a black person on the show. And it would start to feel almost insensitive to me, not that they would have to watch this episode, but that this is the episode that they would have to come on and talk about. And you know, obviously we've had you know, we've had our friend Chris on the episodes you know that, that don't have anything to do with racism and everything. So I'm not saying that you know we, we've we've accidentally you know made any sort of token ship out of it or anything like that. I I, you know, I certainly think that we've we've definitely not done that. But it, it, it just I don't know. I, I I mean I get I get where you're coming from, and I think that yes, there is a certain uncomfortability about it. Especially because of the the way the word is used by white people over and over again in this episode, um, and maybe it would be insensitive to subject one of my friends to this episode without warning them about it. Um, I guess it. it I, yeah, and I, I guess maybe it's coming from a place of like, like TV shows now. Even though it is, it would be historically accurate. Like I know, uh, uh, there's a there's a show called The Carmichael Show. Like they had an uh, an episode recently that revolved around the word and whether or not white people should use it. And I know it's been addressed on uh, uh, Dear White People, uh, which is a Netflix series. But there are other TV series. They are certainly in a point where it's historically accurate to use the word, and they find a way to skirt around it. Uh, to touch on Outlander right now, because we. we touched on that because the, the writer of this episode is currently a producer on that show. Um, currently on the show, they are about eight years prior to the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. And they had an episode a couple episodes ago that dealt very much with slavery um, because basically the main characters were practically given a plantation to run and to own. But it came with the caveat is that you have to be comfortable owning slaves. And Claire, our protagonist from the future, could not stomach that. And so that did not happen. And there was a lot, there, a lot of brutality towards black people in that episode. Yeah. But not once was the word used. Um, on the TV show Timeless, which is a time travel show, one of the time travelers is black. And it's really interesting in the very first episode, he doesn't want to time travel. He doesn't want to go with this group. But 
he is forced to because basically he's he's being told to spy on his fellow time travelers to not get like too much into the plot. Um, and the person who forces him to go time traveling is also a black person. And in one of the first scenes, he's like, I don't have to remind you, there is no place in history where it's good to be a black man. <laughs> and there, uh, I didn't watch very many episodes, but like the couple episodes I saw where like they talked around, like he got called a boy a lot. There were a lot of other moments that happened where it was very clear, like if they were being historically accurate, they would yeah. they would have used the word, but they found a way to to get around that and not use it. So I, you know, and I guess I I suppose one of the things that that I can say is that if you don't have to use it, and you're able to still get the same point across, good. But I would argue that you can't get the same point across if you're not using it. And, you know, I mean, look at look at a film like Black Klansman. I mean, that film, I uh, unfortunately have not seen it yet, um, but I've read quite a bit about it. And that film uses the word a lot. And it's spoken by white characters, it's spoken by black characters, and, you know, obviously it's a film that deals with the KKK um, quite extensively. Um, And it's released in 2018. Now, I think that there's some distinct differences, you know, uh, being a film that is written and directed by a black man, um, whereas this episode was written by a white woman and directed by a white man. Um, And I'm not saying necessarily that white people shouldn't be able to examine these issues and do so in what could be argued as a truthful manner, but I do think that it lends credence to what you're saying, especially if we go with the notion that perhaps the use of the word within the episode is gratuitous. Um, I, I don't know. I know that when I watch the episode from an admittedly privileged male white point of view, mm-hmm that it's difficult to hear the word and it provokes a physical reaction in me but part of it does feel necessary in order to drive home the point of the episode that said do I think that the episode would lose Anything by deleting the word entirely from its script? I'm almost inclined to say no, it wouldn't. See, I feel like... And If you're you're going to use the word once in the episode, I know exactly the one instance I would have used. Okay. And it's it's when Nathaniel and his dad show up to register to vote, Mm. and Tom pointedly says to Sam, he's a... Yeah. And to me, it's like, you just say that once as a reminder that this word is commonly used in fair play. He'll even say it with an earshot of a person of color. Right. And you only need to hear the word once. Sure. If at all. 
Uh, and it felt, and it also, uh, and I didn't feel like this way in, in, in other episodes that use the word, but I felt like um, every time a character used it, like they were overemphasizing the word. It kind of reminded me uh, when I first got to college, uh, the college theater department, and I started being in plays with curse words, and we could curse. I remember mm-hmm. getting, I remember getting the note from one of my teachers. Not just to me, but to like everyone in general in the cast. Just saying, he's like, I understand where you're coming from. Like, you get to curse. That's fun. You want to overemphasize it. But it's obvious that you're having fun cursing. Just say fuck. Don't overemphasize it. Just say the word. And I felt like every time in this episode when a character says the word, they go out of their way to emphasize the word in an almost overly cartoonish fashion. Mm. And m- maybe I'm mishearing that. Maybe that's because, like, the, the, the way the word lands on my ears, but that's how it, uh, that's how it felt like to me. Uh, especially towards the end when, when Gene breaks up the party to announce what Nathaniel is doing in town and why they have to, to go in town to stop him. Yeah, it's difficult because for me, one of the things that this episode has has stuck with me since I first saw it, it it was one that uh, I did have, you know, on on tape from USA back in the day. It's an episode where, you know, I certainly wouldn't go so far as to say I could recite it word for word, nor would I want to, obviously. But uh, it's one that I do feel like I know better than a lot of other episodes. And while I think after the rewatch, I wouldn't necessarily rank it quite as high as I would have before the rewatch, I still think of it quite highly. And I think the reason why it had such a strong impact on me, um, you know, and, and burned itself into my memory, uh, probably did have something to do with its use of, of, of the word. Hmm. Um, and I, I, and we, we've talked about this before. Um, when I watched this episode as a kid, and I'm sure you had the same experience, I heard this word on a semi-regular basis in the town where I lived. Yeah. So it was not shocking to me at all to hear this word in this TV episode when I was a kid. Uh, and, and, to, and to speak to the good points of the episode, maybe we can like start segueing that way, is that uh, the speech that Sam gives to Cody at the one point in the episode, yeah. while it is uh, a little overly simplified, Cody was not much younger than me when I saw this episode for the first time. Sure. And it's what I needed to hear. Yeah. Well, yes, and I think that that is one of the strong points of this episode. I mean, this episode, you know, really did help to inform a great deal. Um, you know, it was almost like having a surrogate, you know, not not, not father necessarily, but certainly a, a mentor figure, as crazy as that might sound, in the character of Sam Beckett, um, to help inform that. Because I didn't, I, you know, I I heard the word, I didn't necessarily hear it a lot, 
and when I did hear it, it was usually kind of said in hushed tones, like you know, but but was still a, a certain emphasis in the fact that I was hearing it at all. It was it was still terrible. Um, this episode really drove home how terrible it was. And one of the things that watching this episode did as well is when Nathaniel confronts Sam after Sam has used the word and has has basically turned them out. And we find out, and the interesting thing is, is that we find out that Clyde had actually been the one to encourage Nathaniel to, you know, to come to register to vote. You know, and that, so Clyde shared a lot in common, if you will, with Sam um, and, and his desire to be an ally. Mm-hmm. And, when, and when Nathaniel has the, the, the line, uh, you know, about if I called you, you know, a cracker, I'm simplifying it, but if, you, if I called I, you a cracker... This was, this was the quote of the episode in Matt's book. Uh, what yeah. if I called you a redneck, white-butted, stump-dumb cracker? That still stings, doesn't it? Even if I didn't mean it. Even if I didn't mean it. Because Sam, of course, says I you know, didn't mean it. And 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 to me, it's you know it's kind of funny because in a way I don't think what Nathaniel called Sam or said if I called you this equates in any way, shape, or form with the other word. Absolutely, but it, it's it's the when you're emotional, it's the best you can do in the moment. Right, but it, but it's you know there's the there's a famous bit between Richard Pryor and Chevy Chase on Saturday Night Live where they're going back and forth throwing epithets at one another. And, you know, they start out kind of simple, um, you know, and then and they're raising the stakes each time until Chevy Chase gets to the point where he says that word. And before this, immediately prior to Chevy Chase saying that word, Pryor has said the word honky. And so when Chase says the word, Richard Pryor responds with dead honky. And it's and it's you know it's incredibly powerful, especially in retrospect, you know, looking back on it, because it does kind of show that here we are, and with our English language, there is literally no word that has been weaponized against white people the way that that word has been weaponized against black people, and to the fact to the point that when confronted with it. The only response that seemed appropriate, until and still I would agree seems appropriate, is to literally look someone in the eye and say, you call me that and it makes me want to kill you. Yeah. You know, and to me, that's like, we're getting to where you can, you can kind of feel how terrible it is. Yeah. And I think, it's, um, uh, yeah. And I think uh, Louis C.K. had the bit where he was talking about like people who say that calling someone a cracker is just as bad as calling someone the, <laughs> calling someone the N-word. And he was like, which word are you allowed to say out loud? Right. And right. which word do you have to abbreviate? Um, but, but to that, to speak back to the early point, like, you make the exit point, like, no word has been weaponized against a group of people like that word has. Right. So that's why I feel like... Uh, it is easy for me to say the word is okay to use within a historical context or an academic contact or academic context. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. That's, but that's easy for but that's easy for me to say because I'm white and there I there is no word there is no 
equivocal word that could be aimed either at me as a class of person or there's no like like just like me like me individually as a human being like there is no word right that could undercut me as someone else using that word against me yeah i no i mean i, I mean and and that is a a a fantastic point and and i i think you know it's it's the reason why it, it's difficult for me to be, you know, as completely on board with being like, yeah, it's gratuitous. There was no, you know, no use. It didn't need to be there. It, it, it's, it's, it's a weapon, blah, 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 is because I've, I, I believe very strongly in, in a certain honesty and a certain veracity and a certain verisimilitude. And I, I have a hard time sacrificing that for any reason and that may very well be wrong and insensitive but it comes from a place a very real place of being afraid that that kind of sanitation can breed an ignorance which would lead us to find newer and more terrifyingly horrible ways to repeat the same mistakes that we've made again and again and again. Hmm. And I am not one at all for any sort of confrontational quality to it. I don't think that we should shove it in people's faces, especially because, again, it is a word that has been, you know, wielded like a weapon. But I, I, I just struggle with trying to find the balance... Mm-hmm. And and maybe, and maybe you know you don't. Maybe it's very clear for you, but it's just I guess it's not as clear for me. And so I I, I do I struggle a lot when it comes to stuff like this. Um, I guess what, like to me it, it comes from if we were in a purely and this is like a, a purely academic setting where I was putting on a play or where I was mm-hmm. showing this episode to just. A room full of white people. Yeah. I can here. Here it is. Don't be precious. You're just as part of this. You're complicit in racism and systemic racism every day in some way or another. Don't don't be precious about this word. Here is this piece of art. This is a part of our white history. Deal with it. Right. But then, as soon as you put one person of color in that room. That changes. I think as a white person, I am struggling to find any way to justify to ask a person of color to sit through a piece of art that uses the word without giving them a heads up and an opportunity to not take part of it to bring some levity to the situation when I lived in Louisville in 2005 I was in a short play festival I was in two plays and in the final play that I was in it was me and another guy in bed butt ass naked Uh at one point 
I get up out of bed, and I'm not covered by any sheet or anything, and I give a full one-minute monologue, butt-ass naked. Yes. In a black box studio theater. There was an announcement made before the show. Even though thematically it didn't really fit the flow with the rest of the evening, this show was put at the very end of the night so that if anybody wanted to leave before this piece, they could. If we can give that kind of courtesy to not see a naked man, give the same courtesy and, you know... That's not a perfect analogy, but that's where my mind went. Sure. Yeah, I I guess. But again, then it's just sort of like, you know, I I feel like it just, it's, you know, even then, to me, it's just kind of like, why are we so, you know, why... It's a different. It's a different issue. Sure, <laughs> very yeah. different issue. Yeah. But, but, but but why? You know why are we so afraid that somebody's going to get offended because you know there's a little full frontal? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it, it's a. I guess my thought is, is it's like look, the world isn't a safe place, and your art isn't always going to be safe either, and your education isn't always going to be safe either. You know, and and, and and there's nothing wrong with 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 being pushed out of your comfort zone from time to time. Now again. I do agree with you, and I think that it is the type of thing that, you know, you, you, you got me. If, if, if I'm sitting down with a friend of mine who's black and I'm watching this episode, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the type of relationship I have with my friends, I don't know. I honestly don't know what I would do, but I certainly would be more likely... To choose a different episode, or, or sure, or, but I'm just saying, like my, my 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 point is, is that you're aware of it enough that you know that you wouldn't sit down with a black friend of yours and and show this episode without giving a heads up. And it's like I I feel like when you talk about earlier, like how how you have a little patience for trigger warnings. Like on one hand, I it, I get it, but because. I don't have very many things that trigger me because I'm a straight white dude. Whereas, you know, there are other there there there, there are some people that that I that I see on social media like almost every post they make they'll they'll put like a, a TW or a CW content warning, uh, and before they even write their post, like they will put out trigger warning, sexual assault, this 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 this, and on one hand. I want to roll my eyes at it because I think it's a little precious. But then on the other hand, I I don't have anything. I'm lucky enough to not have anything deeply. Um, I, I don't have any past trauma that is so significant where reading a social media post about it out of the blue sends me into an anxiety attack. Sure. Yeah. But also, but also, I feel like, and this is kind of a tangent, I feel like warnings like that on social media posts, that's you patting yourself on the back, and that's you being precious. 
because if you sure. honestly expect someone to like read the content warning and then to, to not read your post that is literally starts an inch below it on your screen, shut up. Right. You know, I, I okay, so I, 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 I <laughs> we're not even five minutes into the ep- actual episode, by the way. Right. <laughs> this yeah, may be a two parter. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, uh, one of the you know, as a as a as a groomsman gift um, to all of my groomsmen, I, I gave them copies of the Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, um, and that word is is used, and you know the book was written by a white man. Um, I do not believe that that book should be banned. I do think it should be in school libraries. Um. I have no doubt that 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 is is difficult. Um, but I think one of the lessons of that book is that that word is wrong. Yeah. And I think in the same way, this episode, one of the lessons of the episode is that that word is wrong. And so for me, I suppose if there can come any good from the use of that word, it's that in the context of this, we're trying to teach. And you and I admittedly learned something from this show and from this episode when it comes to the use of that word and that it's wrong. Mm. And we can have a discussion like this 20-some-odd years later talking about how wrong it is and about how sad and angry and confused it can make us. And that I contend, still contend, and will always contend that the man that left office two years ago was treated to deep-seated racism from his colleagues in the House of Representatives and the Senate on a day-to-day basis. And that's, you know, as you're saying that, this is what, this is what occurs to me. I think the reason why our culture is having such a strong reaction to this word the last few years that we've had is exactly because of that. Is because despite the fact that Obama did manage to get elected, he was treated in such a racist way from day one and throughout his entire presidency, and especially by who he was conceded, preceded, I can't think of the right word right off the top of my head, who came after him, who succeeded him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, who succeeded him. Yeah. I think... If Obama had been elected and he had been treated in a fair way and if he had not been treated in a racist way, if he had not gone, the, not gone through the birther movement, mm-hmm. if Hillary or literally anybody else other than Trump had been elected afterwards, and if we didn't have the number – got to add this – and if we didn't have the number of things that have happened in the last – several years that have led to the reason why we need to have the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. If all of those things hadn't happened in the last decade, maybe 
we could look at the word in a more academic way. Yeah. But the reason that we can't right now, and we have such like a, a, pardon the term, like a black and white hard stop, if you are a white person, never use this word rule, is because we are in a point of history where we thought racism was much further behind us than what it actually is. Yeah. And that's why we're at where we're at right now. Yeah. Well, I I, I just would hate to see... I would just hate to see that, you know, any kind of accidental ignorance would end up being bred by anyone's decision to not allow themselves to maybe be pushed a little bit out of their their comfort zone. And I'm speaking more to young white people when I say that. Yeah. Um, Because I think that the part of the issue is, is that there are a lot of white people out there today that wouldn't want to watch this because that word is used. And while on one hand I say it's your choice, I also think that 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 kind of sort of willful ignorance and lack of understanding that that can breed is exactly why we're, we are where we are today. Yes, but I think... Because I, for yes. so long, people said racism is over. Yeah. It's like you're saying, when this episode was made, there was like this, you know, perhaps this sheen that said, oh, no, there's no racism anymore. We're not doing what we did back then, so we must be better than we are, you know, better. And, and, and clearly that's not the case. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like when it's white people talking with other people, when it's white people talking with other white people, there is, uh, you use this great term at, when we went out to dinner a couple of weeks ago that I hadn't heard before, but as soon as you said it, I knew exactly what you meant. Uh, virtue signaling. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I feel like, um, and, and I, I will fully admit, I have been totally guilty about this on social media before in the past as well. Um, white people posturing about how non-racist they are. Yeah. And they're looking for pats on the back. Yeah. From everybody. And I stopped doing that shit. Because yeah. you know what I realized? Because when I did that shit, you know who the only people who liked and commented were? Other white, Other white people. people. Yeah. The people of color on my friends list never responded to those things. Yeah. And I took note of that. And I was like, oh, that's probably not the Facebook algorithm just not showing on my post. Yeah. I think that's just them being polite and not commenting right. on how precious and naive I'm being. Right, right. That's not to say that white people should not speak up. I'm just saying you need to take stock of why you're actually doing it. Yeah, and if you're, exactly. And, and if you're doing it for social justice credit, kind of rethink that. Right, right. I say this on a podcast that we're just going to put out to the world. To <laughs> sure, <laughs> to, sure. That I just put out to the world to consume. Um. Yeah, but none of but you know, but 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 I, I will say you know, uh, 
we're, we're not we're not sitting here talking about any of the good things that we've done or haven't done for that matter or whatever. We're talking about um, something that's incredibly complicated and, and, and beyond the scope of you know any any kind of podcast about a TV show. But ultimately, that this episode I think has stoked this conversation. I, I would like to think is is a good thing and is a bit of evidence that in spite of our sensitivity, justifiably so, that sometimes those things which can make us uncomfortable can provoke us to move forward in a way that we wouldn't be able to if we ignored it. Yeah. Because this discussion has made me question a lot. And that's, in, in, in my opinion, you know, that, that, that's, that's, that, that's when we learn the most. Uh, what, you know, something that I, that, I, that I honestly, that I do take a, a little bit of pride in, um, believe it or not, there's, there's an episode of The Newsroom, and, and, and I, think it's, I think it's in the second season, um, no, actually, it's towards the end of the first season, and one of the main characters is confronted by uh, her, her ex-boyfriend, and, um, you know, he's, he's really given it to the other main character about how, um, you know, he can't believe that uh, he couldn't give her a straight answer or something like that, and her response, in essence, is... You know, of course not, because he doesn't know, because he's always struggling, he's always asking himself the question. And that's something that I, I genuinely try to live by. And I think that, you know, when I worked as an actor, it was something that I always did, sometimes much to the consternation of the other actors I was working with and the directors, because it meant that I could change things on the very last night of performances, because I realized something new and different. And it's something that I try to do in real life. And it's the reason why, as much as I might fight from time to time for something that I fully believe is the right answer, that I'll be damned if I'm going to allow myself to be set on that answer and not find some flexibility should I get presented with a, a new possibility. And I do, I struggle with, like I said, I, I don't necessarily like trigger warnings. I don't necessarily like the idea that we always have to be comfortable. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that I don't understand the need for it. Um, maybe it's just not for me right now. I, I guess maybe the thing is, particularly when a piece of art, because you're hoping that with a piece of art, you're going to reach someone and you're going to prove a point. But if you hit someone with something that is so triggering that it takes them out of the piece of art, it permanently takes them out of the piece of art, then you failed. So like in the case with this particular episode, I would never, you know sit down a black person and watch this episode and not give them a heads up. Because I feel like as soon as the first time the word is uttered, 
Like that that's become that that becomes a thing. That's exactly what this episode is about. Whereas I say, "Hey, there's this episode of TV I want you to watch." Um, you know, it was shot in 1991. Standards were obviously very different. This word gets used a lot. Well, hey, you are know, you, I mean, are, you, are you comfortable with that? As long as you're comfortable with that, I just want to make sure that. I mean, that's the reason why we didn't have a guest on I this episode. I was going to say, for the record, that is actually one of the things I said last week, because I didn't know if I wanted to subject someone, yeah. one of my friends, to this episode. So to be fair, no, like, no, no, no. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I do get what you're saying. I do get what you're saying completely, because I even said a week ago, I said, you know, I don't know if I want to subject someone to this. So I, I get it. I totally get it. And, 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 and. And I think, I think, I think, I think I've said enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. All right. Uh, uh, so, yeah, that is to say, if you are listening to this episode, and we're recording this in December of 2018, uh, if you're listening to it in the immediate future, or if you're listening to it a couple years later, uh, feel free to, if we're getting stuff wrong, or if you want to, if we're not making a point that needs to be made, feel free to reach out to us on social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and all that. Um, yeah. Other than that, maybe we should just get on. <laughs> yes. Maybe. Maybe. Should, yes. Uh, um, uh, maybe you do do a hard shift. Like, what are some things about we love about this episode? I love Ada's line about the school kids singing. It's off one of the things. Yep. Yeah. That that line uh, specifically has stuck with me for twenty seven years, man. I had totally forgotten about it, but then when she said it, I was like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't watched this episode in a while, it's uh, they're, they're, her and Sam are sitting on the front porch, and the kids are practicing somewhere. I don't know where they're practicing nearby, um, but it's a children's choir, and they and as a as a group, they all just miss the high note. Yeah, and Sam makes a comment. It's like, well, they did their best. Yeah, and, and Ada says a line that I think the I think the Lord loves the off key ones the most because they sure do sing the loudest. Yeah, he he gives him the loudest voice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's a line that's that is absolutely stuck with me, and 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 for whatever reason, will drift through my head on occasion. So I I agree. I, I love that line. Um, I, you know, one of the few moments of comedy in the episode when Sam is is teaching Cody how to shoot, and uh, he misses the can, and then he looks at the gun and, and he says, "Well." Maybe you need to be a little bit closer with a barrel this short. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And they're already pretty damn close. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, there are um, there's some, some, you know, some fun moments with, with Al um, when he goes to the church and he's trying to get the kids to, to leave. Now, that's a moment I had completely forgotten about. Yeah. Is that them using the, the conceit that little kids can see Al. And, the, and it's funny because the kids are going back and forth about, you know, he's an angel. Not in those clothes. He's Abraham Lincoln. No, he's just some dumb white man. Crazy white guy, yeah. I love Dean Stockwell's reaction, just like, just, just mouthing, Abraham Lincoln? Yeah, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. No, he's got a beard. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's actually, it's a, it's a very cute moment. Uh, so um, here's a question. Do you think all... In spite of, of the high stakes. Yeah. <laughs> do you think all of the kids could see Al? Yeah, I don't know if all of them could, but it certainly seems like four or five of them could. I feel like because there was, there's a wide range of kids, and I felt like specifically there was one older kid in the back that they never focused on him. 
uh-huh. but I immediately honed in on him because he seemed too old to see Al. Sure. Uh, and in case you haven't seen the show in a while, so kids five and under can see Al, but older kids cannot. And there's an older kid in the back. They never focus in on him, but I was watching him, and there, there were a couple of moments where he seemed to be like looking around, going, "What the hell is going on?" Yeah. Like, what what are these kids seeing that I'm not? Right, right, right. And I don't know if that was intentional or if what that was, but that's something that jumped out at me. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, I, I I really like a lot of Sam's struggles in the episode. You know, he so clearly wants to be doing the right thing, and he, mostly through Al's reminding him and pressuring him to, to not do the right thing yeah. in order to kind of keep up appearances. He has to do things which are very against character for him. Um, it's interesting because we've talked in the past about episodes happening to Sam or Sam happening to the episode, and, and generally we like the latter. But I do feel like for a good portion of this episode, it's the former, and that when Sam does you know, have those moments when he takes charge, they're far and few between until the end. Mm-hmm. And once he's able to, you know, confront Nathaniel and the group that's going to protest in, in, in the uh, uh, in the town in order to convince them not to because the clan's coming for him. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's a very interesting dynamic because at first, you know, the protesters are, are very much of a mind that's a peaceful protest. No one's going to get hurt. And, 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 of course, Sam drives on the point. It's like, you might think that, but that's not what the clan has in mind. Yeah. And one of the protesters then pops up and it says, well, maybe they're going to get, you know, maybe we've got something for them. And, and, and you could tell Nathaniel doesn't, you know, he's not on board with that, mm-hmm. but he's also still really pissed at, at, at Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little, it, it does feel a little extreme that Sam has to punch him to kind of drive his point home. It, it seems um, like that's exactly the wrong kind of point to make. <laughs> the, way to, yeah. the wrong way to make your point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, but but yeah. But I do think that Nathaniel's reaction it does like Nathaniel does not feel out of character. You know, it doesn't feel like it's 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 so it's so wrong necessarily in that respect. But it does feel a little. It, it does feel like a little much. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's worth m- mentioning real quick. Sorry that Michael Beach, who plays Nathaniel, does does a really wonderful job throughout the episode, and he does. I feel like he doesn't necessarily get a lot because it, 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 the character does kind of have to be at, at one kind of basic level for the for the most of the episode, and yet it's incredibly easy to sympathize and empathize with him and get caught up in his in his passion and his his desire to to do better. Um, and to not wait around for anyone's permission mm-hmm. to do better, um, which I which I like. Mm-hmm. You know, where, whereas I think Ada uh-huh. is is a is an example of a character that is kind of waiting for someone's permission. Uh, I mean, yeah, but what else is she going to do in that character? I will say I am disappointed. Uh, Ada is played by Fran Bennett, who we will see her again. That's right. She's the, the house, she's the housekeeper in the trilogy, um, uh, and I'm disappointed. Like she doesn't have a, a profile photo up on IMDb. It looks like she has a couple of candid shots on there. Oh, oh, oh! She was on your favorite show in mine, Quantum Leap with Heaven, Quantum Leap with Angels, Quantum oh, Leap with Highway God, to Heaven, Highway to yeah, Heaven. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, she was on an episode. 
Uh, she was on she, an episode of that. She was. She was on, also on Chicago Hope. She was on Chicago Hope. She was on a couple episodes of NCIS. Yep. And shame, shame on me. You know what I did, Sam? You know what, what did I did? You do? Oh God! I killed her. In my what? in my head. Oh, you thought she was in dead? my head. I assumed that she had already passed away, and she, nope. and she is still alive to this day. She and, sure is. And she is still working. Shame on That's me. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, going back to Michael Beach real quick. I mean, there's a guy who has who has just worked a ton um, and is still working, and you know, most recently can be actually actually be seen in Aquaman. Um, <laughs> you know, he plays the uh, the villain's father. Um, but, uh, done, you know, a ton of television and, um, and film, um, you know, just all over the place. Um, you know, not even necessarily like in a, in a specific genre, but just lots of different stuff. Uh, had a run on Sons of Anarchy. Um, oh, that's where I recognize him from. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where I recognize him from, uh, actually is, is ER, um, because he plays, um, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Al Boulay, who's who's Jeannie's uh, husband, who has uh, who has HIV, um, and and it was a very interesting character actually. Um, I, I thought I, I remember it's been a long time since I've seen that show, but um, but yeah, you know, just just a, a very very lengthy career going back over thirty years, um, with lots of you know lots of different stuff. Um, the you know other guy that that can't help but stand out even though he does kind of tend to be the heavy is Glenn Morshower who plays Grady. Um, I think the thing about his IMDb page that sums up a lot about how I feel about a lot of uh, popular entertainment these days um, is that he was in all of the Transformers films, <laughs> and because I'd like to put a spotlight on the creative genius behind those films. His name, the actor's name is Glenn Morshower. He played a character in all the Transformers movies called General Morshower. They couldn't even think up a fucking name for the character. <laughs> they just gave him his name. They gave him his own like, name. They just gave him his name. Oh, like, come man. on. Uh, but anyway, it's not his fault. It's not his fault. I imagine that was a good paycheck. Uh, he's he's still working. Got lots of stuff in the pipeline. Um, you know, lots of good stuff. He was actually in um, uh, Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, so he was in another episode uh, of TV with Scott Bakula. Um, he, he's played a lot of generals and colonels and lieutenants, etc. Did a few episodes of Agents of Shield. Um, Am I making up he, that he was on the West Wing? I could have sworn he, he was, was on the West Wing. He oh, okay, sure all right. Was. I'm, I'm not making that up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he was uh, uh, on two seasons of 24. Okay. Um, he did, um, uh, let's see here, he also did Star Trek The Next Generation um, in addition to Enterprise. Uh, yeah, he was on nine episodes of The West Wing playing Mike Keisler. Um, he would do Buffy the Vampire Slayer, CSI, I mean, just tons of stuff. Uh, he had a run on JAG as well for another Belisario um, show, um, X-Files, Millennium. Um, a lot of actors actually in this episode uh, crossed over on the X-Files. Interestingly enough, Rob Bowman, the director of the episode, was also a producer and director on the X-Files. So once again, as we were talking about last week, kind of that idea that, you know, working with, with the same people. Um, it's interesting because our, our female uh, guest star um, who plays Lily, Lisa Waltz, um, I, as I've mentioned recently, I'm rewatching the X Files, and she's actually uh, the, mm. the 
main lead guest star, if you will, in a first season episode called Shadows. So I recognized her right away because I had literally just watched the episode not too long ago. Um, but also lots of work for her. Um, you know, most recently um, she was in Fear the Walking Dead, Flight 462. Um, but just lots of stuff, uh, you know, uh, um, over the past, you know, almost 30 years, uh, 30 plus years, actually. Um, my so-called life, that's the episode that's right, yeah. I recognize her from, actually. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, so the, yeah. That's the was, list, yeah. Do you, uh, not to spend too much time, do you recognize Dirk Blocker? I probably should. No, thing, I, he, he's on Brooklyn Nine Nine, which is a very popular oh, show right, right now. I've never, I've never seen it before. I don't. But here, no, here, no, no, here's no. me. Here's me and my old school TV rerun head. This is how I recognize him. He is the little brother of Dan Blocker, who played Hoss on Bonanza. Wow, that's a deep dive. And once you know it, you can't miss it. I feel like there were a couple of Bonanza reunion movies, and I think he may have played Hoss's son, if I'm remembering that right. And you know who, and one of those made-for-TV movies in the early 90s, you know who played the villain in that Bonanza made-for-TV movie? Oh, dear God. No, but you're going to tell me. Dean Stockwell. Well, I'll be damned. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, the more you know. Uh, Noble Willingham, who plays um, um, the father-in-law, uh, Gene, um, is a guy that had uh, quite a run as well. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us. He did die in two thousand four at the age of seventy-two. I know we were doing so well. Um, one of the things that I uh, recognize him from, he does play the boss in *Of Mice and Men*, the film version with Gary Sinise and John Malkovich. All right. Um, you know, lots of, of film and television work. He was in an episode of Star Trek: Next Generation, uh, The Royale. Uh, he played character Texas uh, because, of course, he did. Um, but he, you know, again, just had uh, um, a career dating back to, um, uh, I believe, the late '60s. I want to say early '70s. Um, was on an episode of Bonanza, actually. So bringing it all back home there. Uh, and then uh, finally, we'll mention uh, Charlie Holiday, who plays Sheriff Otis. Uh, Charlie Holiday is still around, ripe old age of eighty. He's wow. uh, got some stuff that's been completed, uh, including playing uh, wow, playing Justice Antonin Scalia in Citizens United, um, which it looks like was completed in 2016, but has not yet been released. Um, yeah, and, and, and then, again, just a, a vast uh, film and television career going back to uh, the early 80s. Yeah. Um, so you got a little bit of later story. It looks like he was in about in his 40s before he started uh, appearing uh, in film and television. Now we got to give a shout-out to Glenn Eden, our mirror image. Clown. Oh, yes, you're right. And, I'm sorry. And this episode is his one and only... IMDb there's credit. His, there's his credit. Anyway, so let's, uh, you know, I find it interesting to, to jump back into the episode. Um, I feel like Sam is Sam, the first part of the episode. Okay. And the second part of the episode is just weird. Really? It's one, it's, it's punching Nathaniel. Now, punching Nathaniel mm. is weird. I love the exchange when Nathaniel says, we will fight. And Sam says, I know. And Nathaniel says, we will win. 
And Sam says, I know. Yeah. I love that moment. Yeah. How do you feel about Sam putting a noose around his neck at the end of the episode? Well, I am. I welcome a change in perspective, but I always found it to be an incredibly powerful moment. Um, you know, I... I, I, I I say that there, as I sound no judgy. Doubt, I'm still trying to process and decide how I feel about it. There's no, there's no doubt that it is easy to see it as a white savior moment. Mm-hmm. But I think that by the very nature of this episode and this television show, there's really no way around it. And because that was a trope that wasn't being examined the same way that we're examining it now, um, I don't know how hard I fault it. And I, and I think that you know. Had more people in Clyde's situation been able to stand up and do something like that, perhaps we could have, you know, done more at the time. I don't know. Uh, I think part of being an ally isn't meant to show that I'm, you know, that I'm I'm trying to be your savior as much as it is like any way I can offer help. And if I'm if I'm coming from a a place of privilege and I can do something to help, I'm going to do it. So I, I understand that you know we're all about empowering the disenfranchised to help themselves, and I think that that's fantastic. At the same time, if we're realistically examining the situation, were there other ways out? You know, was Sam going to come in there guns blazing and you know take out the entire? Yeah, th- I guess like from a logistical standpoint. Posse? Yeah, from a logistical standpoint, how likely was that to work? Well, I guess that in my opinion that that shows Sam's conviction, though. Yeah. You know, that he's willing to risk his life in order to to set this right. Yeah. Um, in fact, I would even go so far as to say I don't know that Sam believes that it's going to work. I think he's taking a risk. I think he's gambling his own life. Yeah. I think he's desperate, and I think that he's willing to put his own life up there in order yeah. to make the point. I, I guess maybe because, like, you know, typically while I'm not a big fan of, like, over-explaining at the end of the episode or denouements, like, I guess maybe I, I, I wish there was a moment where after the fact, Al was like, what the hell were you thinking? Mm, and Sam mm. explains, like, well, and Sam ex- explains his reasoning, like, why he did it. Sure. Or, or, or even just saying, like, of Al saying, Oh, that was a brilliant plan, whatever. And, 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 and Sam admitting is like, I didn't know if that was going to work or not. Yeah. I thought I might die. I don't know. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, 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 I can see that. I, I guess I didn't need it. I don't need it. Yeah, um, I know. I, I get, but I'm not. But I'm not. But I'm not saying that it would be a bad thing. Yeah, I'm not saying that I don't, you don't see need a point. It. Yeah, but I'm. I, I, yeah, yeah, and and, and maybe this comes from a place of little white privilege? I don't know. But also, like, if that doesn't work, <laughs> Sam is taking Cody's dad away from him. I don't know how the rules work. If Sam gets hanged, what happens to Cody, when, what happens to Clyde when he leaps back? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, it, it, my, you know, my fan wank here <laughs> would, would would actually be that 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 if Sam were to leap out at the moment of the hanging, yeah, 
then then Clyde would be dead and Sam would be safe. Yeah. Kind of like Which one? Last Dance Before Execution. Yeah, or yeah. what we're going to see next season in Trilogy. Yeah. But if he gets hanged, and then... He dies. Clyde leaps back in after he's already dead... And and let's say let's say he'd been cut down. Yeah. Then I would think that Clyde would be able to just get up and walk away. Yeah. Well, you know that thing about that, that does happen in the last season with the one of the Evil Leaper episodes. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Something similar. But <laughs> anyway. Interesting. No, it's, 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 it's but it is interesting. Yeah. No, I, that is a good point. I mean, he's he's taking an awful chance, and I do see it as him taking an awful chance. Um, I like I said, I think he's desperate. Um, I, I think that something that we've seen over the course of this episode is, is that he stops Nathaniel from getting killed. Then, and it's interesting because we've talked about this before, like the, the effects that he has within the course of an episode, we don't see these, uh, that often, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's a handful of times, but he stops Nathaniel from getting killed and then causes by that basically a church full of children getting killed. Yeah. Al is able to save them, then that precipitates Nathaniel being put in danger again. Yeah. yeah. Um, and how shitty is Al's timing, by the way? Sam almost gets blown up, and then Al just strolls through the burning church well, like, It's all good. Oh, Sam, I saved him. It's all yeah, right. It's fine. Yeah, no. and, uh, for, first off, <laughs> One, like watching this episode, and, and, and it's an hour of TV, blah, blah, blah. It was a spur of, moment, spur of the moment decision to bomb the church. Right, right, right. How did they wire that? How did they set those explosives? One. It's also interesting to note this is a tidbit in Matt's book. Um, when they first tried to, because they actually, you know, it's not like stock footage of an explosion that they use. They actually yeah, blew a structure did, yeah. up for this episode. Uh, the first time they tried to blow it up, it didn't work. And the second time it worked a little bit too well. Yeah. Uh, so that's interesting to note. Diamond Diamond Farnsworth, the uh, stuntman, got a little roughed up. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a logistical thing. But also, I mean, here's the thing. It's... Um, we have seen some pretty horrible things from racist characters in previous episodes. Yeah. We have never gotten close to bombing a church with kids in it. Right. And how do you see any redeeming qualities in any of these characters? I mean, at the end of the episode, Gene comes in and he saves the day and he saves Clyde's life and he saves Nathaniel's life. Out of a selfish way, but he's already lost one son because he's lost his actual son and he sees Clyde as kind of a stand-in. Right. Even still, like, how can you see any good in him at all? Because to make a point, to, to retaliate for a march not happening that they, that they never wanted to happen in the first place, they bomb a church with kids in it. Yeah. There is no redemption after that. No. And I think that's what... um, I guess that's what makes this episode like a little bit too difficult and blunt for me, is that... 
Yeah, I, I I don't know how to articulate more than that. Like you're gonna you're gonna kill kids, right? Well, you know, I mean, the truth is that happened. Yeah, you know, um, and, and I guess maybe maybe that's why the episode works in ways that others doesn't. Is that it doesn't? I mean, in the end, it does put a little bow on it because you you kind of assume that that Clyde and his wife are going to be okay, and Nathaniel goes on to become one of the first black mayors in Alabama. Yeah, but, you know, but you know where, uh, um, I mean, what is it like for Ada to come to work the next day? Yeah, I agree with you, and I and I would even go so far as to how do how does someone like Lily fit into Clyde's life after this? Because Lily's a pretty terrible person. Yeah. You know, like she's not, I, 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 I'm not going to necessarily say that she's as bad, if you can even go that far, as like Gene, you know, as, as Gene or Grady. Um, <laughs> See, I, th- I thought you were going to say the wife from So Help Me God. Oh, oh God. Yeah, but the thing about her is she's just a vapid fucking waste of space. Like, at least Lily's got a little bit of something, you know what I mean? Like, she's a terrible person, but she's not know. Does she fucking empty-headed. Does she? Yeah, I, 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 don't think she's, I don't think she's as empty-headed as the other one is. But anyway, what I, what I, will, what I will say is that I, I think in that final scene, you know, maybe we're seeing a little bit of understanding and compassion from her character um, that has not been exhibited prior to this. But she's the type of of person that I, I I feel like the path to any sort of full redemption is probably maybe not blocked, but is certainly not going to come without its baggage. Uh-huh. And I think that we've gotten enough information about who Clyde is that it intrigues me that he would even end up with her to begin with. That's, I mean, that's a great point. Um, so I do kind of wonder. Yeah. But, I mean, in, in, I hesitate to say this, in defense of her, though, yeah, you only see her talking about one thing in this episode. Yes, that's very true. And she may have other redeeming qualities. Right. Right. That when she refers to it as daddy's hunting club, like, uh, yeah, she knows what it is, right? Like, yeah. Do we think she's completely in the dark here? Uh, or do we think that I, it's I, a willful I, ignorance? I, I don't, I think it's a willful ignorance. I think yeah, because especially with her, her yeah. spiel towards the end of the episode where she talks about how, you know, black people have the NAACP and we have, you know, what do we have? Blah, blah, you know, you know, right, black right, history right. month. What about white history? Blah, 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 blah. The thing is, is like one of the things that the episode does so well, though, is it examines the fact that so much of this behavior is predicated completely on fear. And oh, it's, God, a fear yeah. it's a fear that is bred out of some sort of just devastating ignorance, lack of any kind of, of, of true pursuit of 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 wisdom and 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 truth yeah 
the fact that, you know, anytime Sam asks a question about why are we doing this, oh, well, we got to stop him from taking over. Taking over what? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what are you so threatened by? Yeah. Like, what is it? That, and the thing is, Dennis, is that this is the exact same damn thing that I want to say to those fucking tiki torch-wielding marchers in Charlottesville. You know what I mean? It's like, sure. what are you so fucking afraid I know, of? And the thing is, like, to, to, to go back to my racist friend is, like, in high school, when I picked up, when I realized that he, that he was racist as he was, is that we were a part of a of a school club organization um, that we went to uh, a conference with with similar clubs from other schools, and so we went to this conference. And when we got there, to realize is that our club was predominantly white because our town was predominantly white, but every mm-hmm. other school there. Almost everybody else was predominantly black. Mm-hmm. And so at this one point, um, in this one uh, meeting or event, I can't remember what it was, uh, a black speaker got up and he gave a speech that was uplifting to black people. He was assuming that everybody in the room was black people because for the most part, other than our school, everybody else in the room was black people. And he said mm-hmm. something, you know, he gave a speech that was very uplifting. You know, basically just saying, you know, just because you're black in a white man's world, you can still achieve. Yeah. You know, he, he was saying things like basically like, you show me a Larry Bird, I'll show you Michael Jordan. You show me an Arnold Palmer, <laughs> I'll show you a Tiger Woods, things like that. Mm-hmm. And the reaction sure. that my racist friend had after the fact to that. And how bred in fear that was and how insulted he was that a black man spoke like that in his presence. And it was all born out of fear. Yeah. It was born no, out of I, that, like, you know, because where the, where the speech was coming from, like, you know, you show me this white example, I'll show you this black, black example. Like, that scared him that white people were going to be taken over. And that's what so many people, and that's the fear that so many people in this episode express. Well, and it's the thing, you know, it's, it's it's funny you bring that up because, uh, I, I, I saw something recently, um, a reaction to, uh, someone posting something about the future being female and his immediate reaction was just sort of like, well, what about me? Where's my place? What about, and the thing is, is I just wanted to be like, what are you so afraid of? Like, what is it? What do you think? Do you, do you think that they're going to, like, put you into, like, a camp? Do you think they're going to corral everybody with penises and, like, you know, just, just, just throw us out into the cold? Like, what are you so afraid of that you, that you can't even understand where a statement like that is coming from? And, 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 and I, I, I just, I don't want to say it that way because it feels very, you know, like I'm, I'm poo-pooing their fears. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, yeah, I am because I think it's absurd, but I want to try to be sensitive to that because when someone is afraid of something, it, 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 it is difficult to get them to understand why they shouldn't be afraid. I have a fear of flying. I read about why it is absurd for me to have a fear of flying all the time. And I still have a fear of flying. Now, I'm not trying to equate my fear of flying with someone's fear of being taken over by the black man. Mm-hmm. But, but, 
But I do understand that there is a certain amount of irrationality that, that, that comes with that. Um, I just wish... But I understand. At least I understand that my fear of flying is irrational. Sure. You know? Um, whereas I, they don't get it. And I think... And this is not an original point by any means. Like, it comes from a place of, of feeling unsafe in a world where you've never felt unsafe compared to other people. Like, right. there are times, I mean, I was a, a bullied, pick on, picked on little kid who did not grow up in the best of circumstances. But even still, I know that I had it better than the vast majority of people of color, minorities. Sure, uh, right. I'm a, I'm a dude. I'm a straight dude. I got right. it better than... Almost everyone, <laughs> you know, reading about and seeing news reports about what was happening to you know Muslim students at college universities after nine eleven was particularly heartbreaking um, because I thought, as a twenty year old college student, that that couldn't happen anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And never once after September 11th did it pop into my head that all Muslim people are out to get me. Mm-hmm. But living in Indiana, I actually saw what was happening to these students at Indiana University. Mm. To the point that they were scared for their lives. And the only crime that was being held against them by these privileged, predominantly white people was the tone of their skin and their religion. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that makes what this episode is about and the crimes that these people are willing to commit so heartbreaking yeah to the point that I'm as angry as I can be at someone who would do these things as irrational and absurd as I would find it all there's also a part of me that's incredibly sad for them Mm -hmm. because the only thing that they hold against that they're they're predicating all of their beliefs about someone is the color of their skin Mm -hmm. and it doesn't make any sense I don't know. And I guess maybe, and this is why the episode is rough to watch, and maybe it it works and it doesn't work on this level, is like, at the end of the other episodes that dealt with racism, you got a little redemption, you got a little character growth out of some people. I don't think any anybody grew in this episode. Yeah. I, I mean, well, I mean, I, I mean know, Gene coming in at the last minute and saving the day... No. The, the fact that he that he is saving Sam and by default, default Nathaniel is coming from a selfish place of, of not wanting to lose his son-in-law. That's, yeah. There's no redemption there. No. Gene, Gene I'm sorry. Gene is going to die a racist bastard. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Like, he's a bigot and he's not going to change. Yeah. The, the, the one person, though, that I do see hope for, and maybe this is part of the point of the episode, was Cody. 
Oh, oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. that Cody, you know, him saving Sam, him, you know, being there to witness all this, I think Cody's the one that can be changed, that Cody can be a beacon, you know, for, for the future. Um, as we kind of already touched on Lily, I don't, I don't, I, I unfortunately don't know yeah. that I see the potential for her to change. Uh, I'd like to think that maybe there's a little bit of, a little bit of change for Ada. Um, I don't know. Um, hopefully for her, she understands that she doesn't have to, she doesn't have to tolerate that. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. You know, I, I agree that the, that the the end of the episode, even I kind of was like, man, you know, after Nathaniel gets freed and he hugs Sam, and it's just kind of like... The punch really, do, the punch really does kind of... It reverberates in a way that I don't necessarily know that I like. And, Sam and it makes Nathaniel? Me, yeah, and it makes me wonder, was there a better way? And Nathaniel... I mean, maybe I think we can go back to the act of Sam getting up there and throwing the noose around his neck and being willing to die with him is enough for Nathaniel to see exactly what he really stands for. Sure. That this is an ally and that this is, you know, in, in, in a way, this is someone he, you know, who saved his life. I get that. Um, but I, I also understand what you're saying, especially when you compare it to an episode like Color of Truth. Um, although, if you look at Black and White on Fire, I, I would argue that nobody changes in that episode. Oh God, no! You know, to, uh, to me, and, and gives us and yeah. gives us one of the most heartbreaking endings of any Quantum Leap episode. To me, that episode is such an outlier. Like that, that is almost a completely separate story that happens to have Sam and Al in it. Right, right, um, sure, sure. Um, but I guess, and, and I never thought about this before to give the episode credit because. The show does lean a little bit heavily into the white savior thing when it when it comes to episodes dealing with racism. Is that at the end of the episode, we find out what happens to Nathaniel? Yeah, I, I would like to have heard more of like how this you know how do we how do we get that that arc that progression from there? Um, but they also could have very easily gone in the way of like, and this is what Cody grows up to be. Right, right, right. You know what I mean. No, that is a very, very good point. Um, that it is about Nathaniel. That it is about what Nathaniel becomes. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is because Sam is there to save Nathaniel. Now, I think he also, in a way, arguably saves Cody, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but his purpose is to save Nathaniel. Sure. And in doing so, Nathaniel becomes you know one of the first black mayors... Of Alabama, sure. Um, in Alabama, not of Alabama. You can't be the mayor of a state. Um, <laughs> you know, anyway. I, I, I did notice that too, and I just took that as that like the first black mayors of just just being like that 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 slip of the tongue did not bug me. 
No. Stakes were high. Do you know how hard it is to read that goddamn hand link? Have you seen? Oh, I know. Have you seen the readout? He of gets that? the date. Have you he seen gets the, the date wrong. Yeah. He gets the date wrong for the Civil Rights Act too, man. Al was very. It was a very difficult moment for him. Yeah. He had just seen his friend in a very precarious position. He hadn't walked out of that flaming church in time to stop Sam from getting all shredded up by that bomb blast. I mean, sure. Al was having a bit of a day. What? He'd just been called Abraham Lincoln by a group of kids. What is, he was. He was. What does? <laughs> and this is this occurred to me. What does being at ground zero of an explosion do even when you're a hologram like I got to imagine that that's a that's a pretty uh, traumatic thing for your for your auditory yeah. and for your eyes too I mean sure maybe he clamped his eyes shut and he's not feeling the heat, but the but just the sound of the explosion being at ground zero from that did Ziggy tamp that down well he yeah he hit the mute button on the handle okay <laughs> let's hope no, but you're right. You're right. It'd be like a flashbang grenade, you know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't be able to hear or see. Mm-hmm. Hey, I pl- I've played some video games. I'm telling you, I, I have a feeling I understand what it would be like okay. to, to be in a room. <laughs> but that was it. I get it. We yeah. needed to have the hologram moment, but... Yeah, no, of course, of course. Although, it looks weird, because I, I, I feel like Al is... He's way um, out of proportion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's, he's a little too tall there. Yeah. So it was a tiny, it was a tiny church. Yeah. We've got um, to find some levity in this episode. Yeah right. So anyway, so Sam, but go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, but I, but I, I, I think for me that 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 um, there's still some undeniable power to the episode, and 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 I'm I'm more likely to lean towards what you were saying earlier at this point after after our conversation. Um, but it, but it is still difficult for me because I do think there's some undeniable power to the episode. No, I, th- I mean I think. Yeah, I mean, coming from uh, you know, coming from the era that we in, like, yes, this episode will always hold a place in my heart. And I think I, I, I told the story last week of uh, uh, at the in 2017 when Trump announced the first Muslim ban. There were a lot of people posting on Facebook like Bible verses to speak out against it. Yeah, and uh, a high school friend of mine who is now a preacher, like, he commented on my thing and he posted his own thing, saying that you should not do that. You should not post Bible verses. To promote your political agenda, <laughs> blah. Um, so I made another post saying, "All right, very well. I will post something from uh, something that meant just as much to me at church when I was a kid, and that's Quantum Leap." And I and I actually posted the speech that he gives to Cody, uh, and then someone took that and they turned it into a meme mm-hmm. of like putting the text, like you know. Up, you know, with with pictures from that scene. Uh, so yeah, that was very powerful for me. And uh, yeah, I, I just feel like, like I said, it, at the point where we're at right now, where people have such a strong reaction to that word being used at all by white people. If you were to show someone this episode for the first time, you got to show it with, with with a lot of caveats. I'm just saying, keep in mind of where you know, keep yeah. keep this in mind as you watch the episode. And, yeah, if you can, no. and if you can wrap your head around that, here it is. And I suppose that if we were to compare it to something like Black Klansman, for instance, 
if you go to see that movie, you probably have a good idea of what gonna, you're going to get. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. But if yeah. you, but 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 if you, but if you turn this episode on randomly on Hulu, you don't necessarily. You, you're not prepared in the same way that you would be if you're going to see a movie called Black Klansman that is directed by Spike Lee. Exactly, and it's like, and I think like even. Even like like movie versus TV, like a movie, like you go to see it, or yeah. like maybe, maybe later on you're going to catch it in a rerun. I don't know, so maybe it's not the perfect thing. But like if I were coming to this episode cold and I only knew of Quantum Leap, like what little bit I saw in the media, I thought, oh, this is this is a mostly harmless TV show, blah blah blah, time travel. And if I like sat down with my son who was slightly older enough to understand, and then all of a sudden the n-word is getting dropped everywhere I might be a little upset but that there was no but, disclaimer or something on it but and I and I think I know you well enough to know the answer to this you would have a conversation with Harrison yes okay see and would that be such a bad thing I understand that one of the things, I, I, I mean, as I'm coming to understand that one of the things about being a parent is that you do want to be able to have a certain amount of control. Sure. But that control is also an illusion. Yeah. And that, and that you, you kind of have to just wing it sometimes. Yes. The responsibility to me isn't so much that I get to decide when and how I'm going to have this conversation, the responsibility is to have the conversation when it's necessary. Sure. I guess like an alternate scenario I would put to a counterpoint is like, let's say I think this is just a harmless TV show that he can watch on his own. So he watches this episode, I'm unaware. And then after the fact, we have a situation that he's used that word somewhere out in public. Sure. Not realizing how bad that word is. Sure, and I'm yeah. I guess that yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, if I'm sitting down and watching it with them, like yeah, then we can sit down, we can have the conversation. If it's if I'm having a rough day, you know, as a parent, if I'm having a rough day, it's like oh, God, I wasn't I wasn't planning to having I wasn't having this conversation today. All right. <laughs> um. But that being said. Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Joseph Gordon-Levitt. No, but, but that being said, I do want to acknowledge, like, as those words were coming out of my mouth, I do want to acknowledge, like, me as a white father having to have that conversation with my white son is nothing compared to the conversations that black parents have to have with their black kids about how to navigate the world. Sure. As I say that, I, I, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that. That being said... Yeah. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because there's a really wonderful episode of Parenthood where um, Crosby, one of the Braverman family, his um, wife, I, I think fiance at the time, Jasmine, is, is black. And so mm-hmm. their son, um, Jabbar, uh, of course, is of, of mixed race. And um, Jabbar encounters that word for the first time. And he asks Crosby about it. And the way that that they handle that within the context of the episode and the writers and the actors and everything, I think, is really quite wonderful. Uh, Because, of course, Crosby doesn't know what to say. 
because he's he's a white guy, yeah. you know, from, I from, about that. from Berkeley. You know what I mean? Like he's a white dude from Berkeley. Yeah. It's like, eh. um, and, and and the conversation that he ends up having with Jasmine and, and the conversation she has with him, and and eventually that they have with Jabbar, it's it, it's it's really well done, and I think touches on kind of what you're saying about the idea that for a white person to have that conversation with their child is is one thing you know for a black person to have the conversation with their child is another thing in this situation obviously you're touching on all sorts of issues because it's um because it's a mixed race family but um yeah i have no answers i really don't i, don't know. I have I, no answers again if you're and, listening and, to this and, episode and, and, and no go ahead yeah if you want to if you want to talk great because I mean, we're, we're, we're certainly all ears um, you know because I, I, I think that I can feel one way but but, but certainly understand that, that I, I don't I don't know I don't know um, so that being said I think ultimately ultimately Sam saves the day mm-hmm. he gets the hug from Nathaniel and now he's his hands are covered in red. That is a weird transition, yes. It's a very weird transition. Uh, but we are uh, we are introduced to a young Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That's right. Uh, watching this episode with Betsy yesterday, she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that guy, yeah. He's, uh, he's finished sweeping up, and he wants to go get some candy from Phil's. Phil's. Phil's? Phil's. Phil's. Yes. He th- Sam thinks it's Bill, Bill, but it's Phil. Phil, yeah. So, 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 so Sam's dyeing somebody's hair. The, the real hairdresser freaks out because apparently he's left it in, in too long or something. As she comes over, she's asking where the kid is. Sam's like, oh, I let him go to Bill's. Yeah. You mean Phil's? Yeah. And then, of course, his mom never lets him go out. Why doesn't mom let him go out? Then we hear gunshots. Bang, bang. Yeah. Screams, car tires squealing. Oh, boy. Yeah. And we are suddenly, that, yeah, we are, we, we are told, but we're going to be suddenly in 1983. That's right. Permanent wave. Permanent wave. Which is funny because I didn't think of uh, or think about this episode much. Mm -hmm. But after watching Justice and watching The Leap Out, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I kind of remember thinking to myself, that's not a bad episode. Permanent wave or Justice? Yeah. Mm. Permanent wave. Mm. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's going to be great, but I but but I just remember I, you know in my head I'm just sort of like oh yeah it's not that it's bad. Right. I remembered it being I don't know why, but uh, doing the rewatch I thought this episode immediately followed the leap back. Permanent wave or justice? I thought permanent wave had immediately followed the leap back, uh, uh, okay, but it does okay, not. Okay. We had a couple episodes, so yeah. Uh, yeah. I I remember the broad strokes of permanent wave. It'll be interesting. And I remember Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Right, who, same here. Who has done well in his own right. Uh, yeah, I hear he's done all right for he's himself. Done all right. Have you seen Looper yet, speaking of time travel? No. I'll get around to it one of these days. He, he, uh, I like Looper. I did not like it the first time I watched it. Yeah. And then I had to calibrate my expectations. I was sure. expecting it to be a much more cerebral movie. Mm. And the last third turns into your typical Bruce Willis action movie fair, which say it ain't so. Which I was, which I was not expecting. And then upon the rewatch, expecting that, 
I really enjoyed it. It, it was, yeah. And no, it's, that, that, that makes sense. And it's a really, it's a really interesting take on time travel. I don't know if you know the, the, the basic premise of the movie or not. Um, I, yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, but Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis are the same person 30 years apart. Right. I did know that much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to die. It's just too much, and and we've and we've we've covered a lot of ground on this episode. But anyway, we really have. Check that we out. really have. And you know, I, I I'm I'm going to I'm going to bring it all back around because I'm going to stand by what I said. This is a difficult episode. Uh, I think it's a really good episode. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's perfect. I don't think it, it, it it's quite what I remembered it to be. You know, I think I remembered it more being sort of like this sterling hour, you know, one of Quantum Leap's finest hours. Now I would say... I'm going to say something really weird. And and it'll be the final thing I say on it. After having our discussion, maybe part of it is... Not only if you're going to use that word, and if you're going to use that word as much as this episode does, you damn sure better have fucking earned it. And I don't necessarily know that this episode earned it. Yes, in particular, and we kind of glossed over this, I don't buy any point in this episode when Sam says it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, that's kind of what I, I, was, I was touched on that earlier I, with some of the things that Sam has to do. But I yeah. get what they're trying to say. He doesn't have to go that far. Yeah. When he uses the word in color of truth, he's making a point. Right. And he's doing it from the perspective of being inside the body of a black person himself. Right. It does not work in this episode when he uses it. By a, by, a, by a 2018 standard or by a realistic would Sam actually say that word standard in that context yeah. that's my thought on that uh, I dig it yeah uh, so that being said that was our episode this week <laughs> holy mackerel yeah uh, we're recording well, hey. it's, it's 1030 on a Monday on a Monday night now it's a school night don't tell me that alright I won't tell you that <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? I think as as parents, as parents who have children that are deciding to be difficult about staying asleep and such, we should probably we try should to absolutely sleep. call it a night. Yeah. We should get some sleep ourselves. We should take care of, of of ourselves and one another. Be kind to each other out there. Take care of each other. Tis the season. Should always be the season. <laughs> um. Nothing but love. That wraps it up. And as always this week, here is Scott Bakula to play us out with Fate's, yeah, right. with Fate's White Wheel. Take care, everybody. We're going to leave you everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time.